On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we dive deep into a masterclass on perimenopause and menopause, postmenopause, with Andrea Donsky. Before we eat, helping to stimulate the part of our nervous system, that parasympathetic, is important because it'll help us with better digestion. So before you eat, taking some deep breaths, relaxing your body, trying not to eat on the run, trying not to, you know, don't eat and drink at the same time. It's diluting our digestive enzymes, chewing our food really well, right? So these are things that we can do to hack our nervous system. Again, you know, hack it in terms of when, before we're putting food in our mouth to help us to relax so that in turn, it can lessen some of the symptoms that we're feeling. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp podcast. First and foremost, thank you for pressing play. I know there are so many incredible podcasts out there, and you chose us and I'm very grateful. I have a lot of vitamin G gratitude for you today. Today's episode is a fantastic one with Andrea Donsky. Andrea is an author, entrepreneur, menopause educator. She's very popular on TikTok and Instagram. You might have followed me following her already on, on those platforms. And we dive deep into her backstory. In her mid-20s, she had some health challenges going on, and she wanted to figure out her condition. She went back to school, became a nutritionist, got her degrees. She became very passionate about teaching health and nutrition and eventually dove really deep into perimenopause and menopause, which is part of her story. We're going to dive deep into what the research shows. And you're going to learn that 20% of women don't know what stage they're in. We're going to identify and classify and define what exactly perimenopause is some of the symptoms to pay attention to, what is menopause, the exact definition, some things you can do during perimenopause for uh, healthy hormones, and also why it is so important for postmenopausal women to support their adrenal glands. We'll give some tips on that. We dive deep into HRV, heart rate variability. We geeked out on how to improve your heart rate variability, what it means, how to test it, and some really practical things to increase that HRV We'll talk about nutrition, some of the foods to incorporate. She's a big believer in fiber and certain supplements. She's going to share her favorite supplements that she takes and, and recommends to her clients. We'll talk about inflammatory foods such as seed oils, the importance of staying hydrated. We'll talk about acceptable sugar replacements, artificial sweeteners, and she's going to take a deep dive, of course, into the specific symptoms. These are weird and really like symptoms you wouldn't even think about. 
that are related to perimenopause. And she actually has done a questionnaire with over 3,000 people who have taken the questionnaire. And she has identified there's over 100 symptoms of perimenopause. We're going to outline the most common ones. So you're going to love this episode. If you want to watch the video version of today's interview where she shares her slides, and as a matter of fact, all of our podcast interviews can be found video format on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash keto camp. So you might want to listen to today's episode in full and then go watch it on YouTube so you can see the presentation slides. But don't worry, we explain it in a way where you could understand what she's sharing, even if you don't see the slides. Before I bring her on, I want to acknowledge today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Miss Guilford titled, So Helpful. I just listened to the podcast with Dr. William Davis. My husband has IBS and SIBO following a C. diff infection. Wonderful information to help him with his horrible symptoms that we haven't found with his GI doctors. What a blessing. Wow. Well, first of all, I'm sorry your husband is dealing with that. I'm sorry that the GI doctor didn't really get to the root cause. And I'm so grateful you listened to that episode with Dr. William Davis, author of Wheat Belly and Super Gut, and it helped connect the dots for your husband. Thank you so much for listening, for leaving that rating and review. And I pray your husband experiences some really incredible healing very, very soon as you apply what you've learned from Dr. William Davis. If you haven't listened to that episode with Dr. William Davis, go listen to it. It was fantastic. It was just a few episodes ago. Go into our catalog and go listen to it. All right, let's take a deep dive into menopause and perimenopause with Andrea Donsky. Andrea is a nutritionist, entrepreneur, menopause educator, menopause researcher, and co-founder of Naturally Savvy Media and Morphous Inc. She's a pioneer and a visionary in the health and wellness industry. She has combined her expertise as a nutritionist and an entrepreneur to educate the public on living a healthy lifestyle. She inspires people to make healthier choices through her business, media appearances. She's been on a lot of TV shows and media appearances, podcasts, books, articles, videos, speaking engagements, and her popular TikTok and Instagram channels. She has been in the health and wellness space for over 22 years. So we're going to get a lot of those golden nuggets. Here's Andrea Donsky. Andrea Donsky, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, I am really excited and I'm excited to meet you. And thanks for having me. Yeah, we connected on Instagram uh, through the, you hit me up in the DMs. And I love that you did that because I've been following your work. Uh, some funny videos, you got TikToks and Reels, et cetera. You make learning fun because you make fun of yourself. And we were just chatting about that offline. How did that start, by the way? How did you discover, hey, I'm just going to be real and make fun of myself and see how that does? Like, was that something you thought of doing or it just kind of happened that way? It just kind of happened that way. I, you know, I've been on social media a really long time. I've been in the health and wellness space for 23 years. So I'm very familiar with being online and being, you know, doing social media. And in the beginning, I was always very like, oh, it has to be perfect. And I have to, you know, look a certain way. And then when I decided to go on TikTok specifically for perimenopause and menopause, I've now been researching you know, and learning about it as much as I can for about six years. And I was like, well, let me try TikTok and let me just kind of have fun with it. And I didn't want to do it the same way I was doing our other social media. And I was like, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to have fun. And I'm talking about a topic that can be heavy for a lot of women who are suffering with symptoms. And I was like, let me just do it in a way that's going to be fun and entertaining and not take myself too seriously. And it just took off. People loved it. And, and I have fun. The most important thing then for me is 
having fun while I'm doing it. And I have to say, it's really, really fun. It's fun for me. It keeps me creative. I'm always thinking of different things that I could do. So it just kind of happened. Yeah. And a lot of people think to go on TikTok, you got to dance and do all these different moves, but that is not the case. It's a, it's a misnomer, isn't it? It is. And it's changed so much. I mean, like Gary V always said, and I remember I had been listening to Gary's podcast for years before, probably three years before I decided to even try TikTok. And he, he always says things change. Social media platforms evolve. And he was right. And now there are so many Gen Xers on TikTok, so many women who are over 40 and people who are over 40, over 50. You know, I follow, you know, people who are in their 90s, you know, and like it's amazing. So yeah, it's completely evolved and it's a it's an awesome platform. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, Gary Vee has been on that that TikTok bandwagon right right from the beginning. Like get on TikTok and also podcasting too. He's been everybody needs a podcast, everybody needs to get on TikTok. And he's usually right because both have taken off and it's a good place to be nowadays. So you mentioned 23 years. It's a very long time to be in the health space and last six years or so really focused on menopause and some of the symptoms that occur and some of the changes we can make with lifestyle, nutrition and supplements. But where did it all begin for you? Uh, where was it that you, I know you struggled with digestive issues in the past and was it you healing yourself that led you down this path of health and nutrition? Yes, absolutely. Which is the story for many of us, right? As we, when we go into the health and wellness space, we want to help ourselves and we want to help other people as well. So for me, it was in my mid twenties when I just, things started to change for me. My digestion was completely off and I didn't understand, you know, what I was eating, how did it affect my body? And I went back to school. So I started learning first and I thought, well, I'm learning all this amazing information. I might as well get a degree. <laughs> so this, I was in my late twenties and I went back to school to become a nutritionist. And then once I understood what I was putting in and on my body and how it affected me, I became so in love and passionate about healthy living because I felt better myself. And I was like, okay, now that I've learned it, let me help others. And I'm an educator at heart. That's what I do. I love to learn. So that way, when I learn, I could share what I learned with everyone else. So I've had several companies in the health and wellness space. And now Morpheus is our third company that my partner and I, which by the way, I've had the same female partner for 23 years. It's our third company together. Yeah. So that's a success story in and of itself that the two of us have really together have created these incredible companies. And so we launched Morpheus a couple of years ago, but I've, I've been researching menopause because when I went into perimenopause, which I didn't even know was perimenopause, I was like, okay, well, in another phase of my life right now, I need to understand everything I can because I knew very little about it. And I thought, well, if I knew little, uh, very little about it, which is, it was my job as a nutritionist, my job as a health and wellness educator, then I would venture to guess that a lot of other people didn't know about it either. And I was right. So that's really where it kind of, that's what I do now. I just focus on perimenopause and menopause. I, I love that you have your focus there and you're not scattered all over the place. That is, that is so important because that that's really where you, you make a big difference in those who are seeking some of those answers and they're they're wondering why they're dealing with certain symptoms. And you have we'll talk a lot about those symptoms. But you know, for for yourself, I know that you you gave birth at what thirty your second your last child was it forty years old? Yeah, I was forty one when 41. I had my when I had my little one. My she's now twelve, not so little. And I had my first at thirty three and my second at thirty five. And then when I had my my third one at 41, that's where kind of things were. And I keep saying my story is evolving because as I'm learning a lot about myself in this phase of life, initially I thought, well, I had my third baby and then I never kind of recovered from all my postpartum you know, symptoms of what I was feeling and then went from having my third to going into perimenopause. But now what I realize and continuing my research is that I actually started perimenopause in my mid thirties and I got pregnant 
in perimenopause because I had, you know, I had a miscarriage at 40. So I had tried again to have my third, which ended up being successful, but I still had a lot of issues, but I didn't realize I got pregnant when I was in perimenopause. So it's like this ever evolving story of now thinking, okay, so I was in perimenopause for like, a, you know, a really long time from 36 until I was 50 when I went into menopause and I had no idea for most of it. The only time I ever thought about perimenopause was when I was 47, had my first hot flash. It was two months after my 47th birthday. I was standing at my desk working and all of a sudden this like wave of intense heat came over me and I'm like, oh my gosh, is it menopause? Am I in menopause? Is that why I've been, you know, all these years I've had all these symptoms it must be menopause. I didn't even know the word perimenopause existed. Mm. And I think some people listening don't uh, know the definition or how it works. So if you could explain what exactly is perimenopause and how that defers to menopause and postmenopause. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting, so Ben, as you know, I love research. And what's interesting is that we now know from our signs and symptoms survey, we have several surveys that are on our website, about 20%, it's pretty consistent across the surveys that we've done, 20% of women don't know what stage they're in. So I love that you're asking me this question because the more we talk about it, the more people, more women will be like, oh yeah, okay, I understand now. I understand where, you know, where I am, how I can handle it, what I can do, how can I you know, prevent getting all of these, you know, feeling the way I'm feeling. So perimenopause are the years before menopause. So they can last anywhere from a couple of months, upwards of like 14, even I've heard from some women who told me they were in perimenopause for almost 20 years. So it can last a very long time, depending, everybody's really different. So all of our experiences are different as well. Menopause is once you've gone 365 days or 12 months without a cycle. Now that's natural menopause. If you've had a hysterectomy and an oophorectomy, you've had your ovaries removed, that will put you right into menopause as well. So that would be considered surgical menopause. Everything after menopause, which is that technically that one day, is considered to be postmenopause. So postmenopause and menopause are there, it's the exact same thing. And I know it gets confusing for some people, but when you think about menopause, postmenopause, it's the same thing. That's really helpful. Yeah. So how do you know if you're going through perimenopause? What are the symptoms? Are there testing? Anything we can do? How do we know? Okay. So that's a great question. For Like I said, for many of us, we don't know. Like myself, I didn't know. But the nice thing about from the research that we've been doing is that we now know that there are over 100 different symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. So when I first started researching it, I was at a party with a friend and she was telling me how she was creating an app for perimenopause and menopause and that there, you know, she was like, oh yeah, we have a business, we're creating an app. And I'm like, an app? you tell me there's enough, there are enough symptoms that you can actually have an app for it. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. There's like 30 to 40 symptoms. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of symptoms. And the way my brain works, because I'm so analytical, like I love data is I came home and I literally like started like tracking it on this Google doc and I'm like symptoms. Okay. What are they? And that, that led me to really start looking at the medical journals, a lot of N of one testing, by the way, I'm, I'm always <laughs> love N of one. And then I looked at a community, looked on social media. And then I quickly saw that I'm like, wait a minute, there are way more than 30 to 40. Uh, we had found that there were like 85 plus. But when we started doing our research at Morpheus and you know, collecting this data from, you know, now we have over 3,100 women that have filled out our signs and symptoms survey. Our sleep survey has almost 3,000. Like we have so many different surveys. What we found is that there are actually over 100. And it's like, whoa, over a hundred symptoms. So a lot of women will think, well, I'm still getting my period regularly every single month. I must not be in perimenopause. That's not true. You could still be in perimenopause and have a regular cycle. So to answer your question is how do we know? It is difficult to know. However, 
we need to start listening to our bodies. So what start, what happens is, let's say, for example, we know that, you know, before we go into this stage of life, perhaps you were able to go, 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 go. Perhaps you, you know, at the end of the day, you had a ton of energy, but now you're finding at the end of the day, you're more tired. You don't have the same amount of, you know, like energy that you were able to exert before, or maybe, you know, your PMS symptoms are worsening. Maybe, you know, your, you know, your mood is changing. You're more anxious. That's a big one as we go into this phase of life. And there are certain symptoms that happen more so for women in peri than they do in meno and a lot that's menopause, which is a lot of the research that we look at. So looking at things that, you know, like, wait a minute, that wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like that yesterday or a couple of months ago. Hmm. I feel like something is off. So listening to your body, I always say, go to your doctor to always get things checked out. So for me, what I realize now in my mid thirties is I was experiencing something called phantom smells. Phantom smells are when you're feeling, smelling things that other people are not. I had no idea this was a perimenopause symptom, like zero idea. But now I know, and now I'm like, oh yeah, that happened in my mid-30s. That was one of my first symptoms, right? So that's why I'm so passionate about providing this list. It's all on my website. You can go to my website. You can go to the surveys. You can fill them out. Like we, we provide this information. I don't even need an email from you. Like you can literally find it all on my website. And we now know that there are so many different symptoms that maybe your itchy ears which is again, something that a lot of women are experiencing, again, don't realize that it's connected to peri or can be connected to perimenopause or menopause is start, you know, when our estrogen starts to fall, our hormones are kind of all over the place that it's thinning the mucous membranes in our ears, right? So it's making our skin drier. So these are things that I was like, okay, so now as long as we can, you know, explain, understand, educate women on what these symptoms are, hopefully women will be like, okay, yeah, yo, maybe this is perimenopause. Let me go speak to my doctor. Let me go get things checked out. Let me get, make sure always ruling things out that it's nothing serious. When you get that clean bill of health, come back and be like, okay, so it could be a perimenopause or menopause symptom. So there are no definitive blood work tests that you can get to say, yep, you're in, in perimenopause. It doesn't work like that. So doctors will often ask you what your genetics are when your mom went through it. We now know that there are certain things that will, um, you know, certain things like if you got your period at 10 or earlier, you'll go into menopause earlier. So there are certain different, certain factors and different factors that can contribute to going into it a little bit earlier than others. But your doctor will look at your age. They'll look at your genetics. They'll look at your, you know, your hormones are hard to measure because even because if let's say you go get your hormones checked on a day that they're they're high because they're kind of fluctuating your doctor might say yo you're not in perimenopause but you can very well be in perimenopause so it's not a reliable test unfortunately yeah all that makes sense so wow over 100 symptoms that are related to the to perimenopause menopause postmenopause and i know that you have over 3000 people you said who have taken this this survey and shared what their symptoms are so is there the most symptoms that are more common? Are there like a top five uh, of the most common symptoms that you've seen with those surveys? Yeah, sure, Ben, I'd love to. So if you, I'm going to share my screen, you could see it here. So these are the top symptoms that women are experiencing. So the number one symptom that's very common, again, not necessarily as well known is fatigue exhaustion, a lack of energy. And we see, and you could see the differences in the charts where in perimenopause, it's more common. So 74% of women in perimenopause are experiencing fatigue versus menopause, which is still high, which is still 69%. Then we look at brain fog, again, another really common symptom with 66% of women experiencing it. And that's pretty common between, you know, across the board in perimenopause and menopause. 
sleep issues is the third most common symptom. Now, I even dug deeper into what the reasons are that we're waking up in the middle of the night, which again, specifically for women in perimenopause and menopause, we have another survey on that. So sleep issues you could see really affect women in menopause, still in perimenopause, but more so in menopause. Then we have memory loss, anxiety, joint pain, lack of concentration and focus. That was a big one for me. I tend to joke a lot is that I was total you know, type A personality, entrepreneur, constantly going, going, going. And when I was in Perry, I mean, I couldn't get out of bed some days. Like I had no motivation, no focus. So I say I went from a type A to like an F minus when I was in Perry. Now I'm kind of like somewhere in like the B plus. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I came back. Exactly. And then we have hot flashes. So many of us associate hot flashes as the number one symptom. It's actually not the number one. You can see it's a little bit lower on the list. You've got low libido. Then we have lack of patience, irritability. You have night sweats, slower metabolism, and digestive problems. And these are really the top ones that women are experiencing. And it, you know, it's so important to mention this because they're like, wait a minute. Oh yeah. I, I, like I said before, I may have a regular period, but I I'm exhausted all the time, right? So again, these are some symptoms, some signs you may want to look at and say, oh, so maybe it is. The cool thing, according to our research, which you could see here as well, is that within the top 10, five of them are cognitive related, which we think, we, we usually think physical, right? But now we've got cogn not cognitive related symptoms. So it's, it's really, it's kind of a mix between everything. Yeah, that is interesting. It makes me think that the mitochondria play a big role. This is what's going on with the cognitive issues. That's that's fascinating. All right. So thank you for sharing that. That is very interesting. So if you could explain what is happening when the woman is going from perimenopause to menopause and postmenopause, what is happening to the ovaries? How does that relate to the adrenal glands? And what are some tips? Because I know you're going to say it's important to support those adrenal glands. Why? And what are some ways to do that? All right. So let me get out my props, Ben, because I'm big on props. I do, I do TV across the US and Canada. So here's our ovaries. So I'll start with your, your, your question about the ovaries. So as our ovaries start to take their much needed break and they start to wind down, our adrenals, got our adrenals here, that sit above our kidneys, start to take over for the ovaries. And that's why it's really important that we nourish our adrenal glands. So what is the number one way that we could do that? Lifestyle, managing stress right? Managing those cortisol levels. We know that stress is like, stress isn't a bad thing. It's the chronic stress, right? That we're constantly in that state of chronic stress. We're constantly, our sympathetic nervous system is constantly in, in go mode, right? So really managing our stress levels is important. And I say this often to women who are in the perimenopause stage or even earlier is, you know, when they'll ask me, what's one thing that I could do to really help as I go into this phase of life? I'm like, manage your stress, figure out something that's going to help you to relax to help stimulate that parasympathetic part of your nervous system. Deep breathing, walks in nature, spending time with people you love, animals, if that's what makes you so happy, anything, watching a funny movie, anything that's gonna help to nourish your adrenals is really important. And then also being mindful of what taxes our adrenals. So before we go into perimenopause and menopause, maybe many of us are able to drink that glass of wine, have that nightcap before bed. But as we go into this phase of life, Many of us can't do that anymore for a couple of reasons. Number one is for me, I can't even go near alcohol anymore because it triggers hot flashes and night sweats for me. Like it's just a no-go for me. The other reason why is because if we're drinking alcohol, especially as we go, you know, we're closer to bed is that once alcohol metabolizes, it's going to wake us up. Now we saw a minute ago is that sleep is the number three most common issue that women are experiencing in this phase of life. So why, in my opinion, like, 
I know that we love, you know, I know a lot of us love drinking alcohol. So if you're going to drink it way earlier in the day, or, you know, even better, maybe minimize the amount of alcohol you're drinking. And I know your listeners are going to be much more open to the idea of that. And so I would say, you know, either minimize or just don't drink it at all, because it has a negative effect, not only on our adrenals, not only on our sleep, but also on our brain health and a million other things, our liver and all the other things that I'm sure you talk about on a regular basis. So it's really important that we minimize things like alcohol. The other thing too would be, you know, overconsumption of of caffeine, right? Because that's going to tax our adrenals and processed sugar and all the stuff, junk food that I'm sure, again, I'm sure you talk about all the time. So just being mindful of what we're, what we're putting in our body and on our body, by the way, we absorb about 60% of what we put on. So just being mindful of how we're impacting our organs, especially our adrenals that are taking over for our ovaries as we go into this phase of life. Ah, so important. Um, for those who are watching on YouTube, you saw the the, you know, the actual uh, ovaries and the adrenal in the form of a little little pillow there. <laughs> I love that you have those props. It's so true. The adrenal glands are, are very important at that time. I talk a lot about, so I have a lot of uh, postmenopausal women in my Keto Camp Academy, and we discuss, all right, what are some ways that we could raise oxytocin, that love hormone, which as you know, it combats cortisol and it just puts you in this parasympathetic state. I have found that I, I think one of the best ways, at least with my community, is um, I call it vitamin G, gratitude, and being in a state of gratitude, gratitude journaling, it's like immediately puts you in this parasympathetic state. And I have my students track their heart rate variability as a good gauge to see if they're getting enough parasympathetic or they're too much sympathetic. And I, I have them look at that because we do a lot of fasting, but I know also you don't want to do too much fasting if you're too sympathetic. So I, I say, all right, what does your HRV look like? Is it trending up, meaning you're getting a good balance of parasympathetic? Okay, let's go ahead and do this fasting schedule. Is it trending down too sympathetic? Let's, uh, let's pull back a little bit from the fasting. So what are your thoughts on those strategies? Okay, so first of all, I'm obsessed with HRV, with the heart rate. <laughs> yes. So I wear, I have a wearable and it's yeah, overnight. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so especially overnight, I'm obsessed. And I actually found a little hack that I'm happy to share with you that is literally changed my HRV reading. Like I can't even believe it. And it's a supplement that we have. It's called, it's our magnesium. It's crazy what it has done to my HRV, like our magnesium bisglycinate. So I used to get like you know, overnight when I would wake up, I would have my HRV would be like 35 and maybe 40, 45. Now my HRVs are, my HRV is like 55, 65. Like it has totally made a massive difference. So yes, I absolutely, you know, for sure. Like it's really important to understand your HRV. I love intermittent fasting, by the way. Like I'm a big fan and I know it's not for everyone. And I know a lot of women as they get into this phase of life will say, you know, it doesn't work for me. And, you know, I kind of come back and go, well, let's look at the nuances, you know, because how did you use it? And again, this is your territory. This is what you talk about on a regular basis. And I've been doing intermittent fasting for many, many years. I just talked to Dr. Jason Fung. Like I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. So I would just say, you know, yes, like everything that you're saying, I think is super important and being able to implement something that's going to help with that HRV, help you recover, help keep you in that state. Now, again, it's always a flow, right? Like, it's not like you always want to be in parasympathetic. No, it's having that flow so that you're not chronically in sympathetic. Yeah. And maybe for those who don't uh, understand how the nervous system works, you could give a, a breakdown. You mentioned parasympathetic. We both did. And sympathetic. What do both of these branches do? So what sympathetic is kind of, the, we, we think of it as fight or flight, right? So it's like, it's back in the days when we were running from, you know, the tiger <laughs> and our body was helping us get away. So when we're in that sympathetic mode, we are not, you know, we can't digest our food well, because right now our adrenaline's going, our cortisol's rising, like, or, or is raised. So we have to like, 
flee. We have to, it's, it's that save mode, right? We're, we're a savior mode. We're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to get to safety. But parasympathetic is known also as rest and digest. That's the part of our nervous system that allows us to relax, allows us to digest our food better. So a lot of women, as they get into this phase of life, have digestive issues. You saw that on the screen that I shared with you. And digestive issues are super common. So gas, bloating, indigestion, cramping, maybe you feel like you're full after you eat, right? You're not, you know, loo you know, loose stools, constipation, things are constantly shifting and changing, which is a symptom as we get into this phase of life. Our hydrochloric acid is decreasing, we're just not digesting our food as well. So helping before we eat, helping to stimulate the part of our nervous system that parasympathetic is important because it'll help us with better digestion. So before you eat, taking some deep breaths, relaxing your body, trying not to eat on the run, trying not to, you know, don't eat and drink at the same time. It's diluting our digestive enzymes, chewing our food really well, right? So these are things that we can do to hack our nervous system. Again, you know, hack it in terms of when, before we're putting food in our mouth to help us to relax so that in turn, it can lessen some of the symptoms that we're feeling. So great tip, great breakdown of the, the nervous system. Yeah, those are some simple things we can do. Get into a parasympathetic state before you eat a meal you're going to digest that meal so much better. You're going to notice those, if you're having symptoms like acid reflux or constipation, or whatever it is, yeah. they might go away completely as long as you take maybe a minute to just get into parasympathetic. And there's many ways to do it. You mentioned it earlier, pet your dog, watch a funny movie, even singing and gargling are, are ways to activate that vagus nerve, right? And uh, gratitude, like be, just be grateful for the food in front of you and where it came from. Like these are ways, simple ways and free ways for you to activate that parasympathetic. A couple of things I'm going to share with you. And I, want to, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, my fiance also has an aura ring and we try not to compare our scores because we shouldn't do that. Everybody has a different or HRV and different baseline, but we're always talking about what we were scores. Her HRV, since she wore that ring uh, four years ago, she, I think she put it on ridiculously high. I'm talking about 150, 160 on average. Oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, what? I'm like, wait a minute. And I've, I've interviewed and I've asked like all the scientists. What about is she doing? I want to know. Exactly. Like <laughs> typically, yeah, typically elite athletes will have that. She's not an elite athlete. So the only thing that I I think the reason is, is a genetic component. There's something with her genetics that has her uh, achieve that HRV. But with that being said, everybody has a different HRV baseline and genetics do play a big role. So the overall goal is to find what your baseline is, your average, and then work on building it up. And like you said, it's not going to be always going up and it's okay sometimes for it to dip because you probably applied a stressor or workout and then over time it goes back up. That's the first interesting thing. The second interesting thing, Andrea, uh, we recently moved into a townhouse here in North Miami um, from an apartment. The apartment was in a building, a seven-story building. And every time I went on my phone and looked at the oh, Wi-Fi, there was like... You EMFs. I know. You're, I was, yeah, there was like, where you're going with radiation. Yeah, exactly. EMF. There was like 20 different Wi-Fi signals. Yeah. And I would turn my Wi-Fi off at night, yeah. but I can't turn off everybody else's, right? Yeah. So now we move into this townhouse. There's barely any Wi-Fi signals, and I turn off my Wi-Fi. My HRV is usually 65 on average. Yeah. I've been getting 80, 93 I got the other day, which is the highest I've ever got. And that's the only switch, I think. It's the fact that I kind of disconnected from, from all of the, the Wi-Fi and the EMF. So what do, you, what do you think about that? You know, it's interesting. I don't talk a ton about EMS and Wi-Fi and radiation with my menopausal women, but it plays a huge role. And it's something that I should 
absolutely start talking about it. And it's something that I dug deep into and I, I you know, for so many years in understanding it, like we've been turning off our Wi-Fi, and I'm very strict with my kids about it at night since their baby, like not since their babies, because they didn't have a phone with their baby, but they were, you know, since they were old enough to like have a phone, I was like, airplane mode. When you are sleeping, airplane mode. It is not near your head. Turn it off, put it away from your bed because of how it affects us. I mean, I wear devices that, you know, like again, I know there's a lot of, you know. There are a lot of companies out there that say that it helps. I found one that I like that I'm wearing and I wear it all the time. So for me, I think it actually plays a huge role. And not only that, then it's also, yes, the HRV, but our sleep quality. Right. So it, and it affects so many different parts of our body. Right. And we now know the research is what it's looking at. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I, a huge believer in minimizing it, making sure other things to keep in mind. So it's not only your cell phone, making sure your head's not near a plug. Because if your head's like a foot within a plug, that's another thing, right? So turning off a lot of people in their room, like I have a Goss meter that I, I mean, I could geek out on this, but I bought a, go, a Goss meter that I'm checking my room for my Goss meter, right? So it's a good thing to understand and to know, but that's kind of a whole other rabbit hole that, you know, it's awesome if you're speaking, you know, when you speak to your community about it, I just haven't gone there yet, but I'm going to start bringing it up because I think it plays a huge role, especially because our sleep is being interrupted on so many levels. Yeah, and then that's in the top five of the symptoms. So for sure, it fits right into that. I love that you're testing with the with a meter. I have a meter too. That's that's super cool. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, "This is the best thing I've ever tasted"? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed, Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasia loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, For keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today 
and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. So we've covered a lot of the, the lifestyle of some of the changes to make lifestyle wise. Let's transition to nutrition. What are some of the things you've noticed with maybe some foods or maybe artificial sweeteners, some inflammatory foods that might contribute to symptoms and some swaps for those foods? Ooh, so this is a huge uh, conversation and I'm going to try to like cond condense it. So let's start with the foods that women should be eating in this phase of life. So really focusing on protein because we're more prone to sarcopenia. We're more prone to insulin resistance. Like we're more prone to cravings. And so we really want to make sure that we are eating enough protein. So we ge a general rule of thumb is about 20 to 30 grams per meal. So it's about one pound, I'm going to be very loose in my calculations, but about one pound of protein for one pound of body weight. So you really want to make sure you're getting enough protein because if you're not getting enough protein, you won't be full. You know, you're not helping you know, your blood sugar. If you're eating a lot more carbohydrates, again, your community will know all of this because you talk, you're, you're, you're keto based. So they'll understand all of this. So I don't have to go into the details, but just making sure you're getting enough protein lots of vegetables, eating the rainbow. We want all those phytonutrients from all the different vegetables that we're eating, lower glycemic fruits like berries. I really do want our, our women to be eating, you know, again, if they're not keto, but they're kind of following another type of way of eating, having some of those berries in their daily diet or, you know, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, that kind of thing, but the lower glycemic, the lower sugar fruits, and then obviously taking out any seed oils. So you and I both have a mutual friend, Dr. Kate Shanahan. She literally put seed oils on the map. So make making sure that you are eating good quality oils, removing those seed oils. So what are seed oils? Canola, corn, cottonseed, safflower, sunflower, soy, grapeseed. Like Dr. Kate has a list of the, she calls it the hateful eight, I think, of the list of the seed oils to avoid. So, and, and why is it important in perimenopause and menopause? Because these seed oils create oxidative stress, which create inflammation in our body. We're already more prone to inflammation as we go into this phase of life. So, and a great story, Ben, and something that I never put two and two together until I interviewed Kate was, I, would, I love seaweed. I love having it as a snack. You know, we love, you know, for our thyroid, it's all good. <laughs> and I would eat this package of seaweed from Costco on a regular basis. And I would wake up in the morning and the bottom of my feet, they, my pads on my feet would be like, they'd be like, feel like pins and needles almost. And this was happening for years. And I was like, Dr. Kate, I don't understand. Like I literally, I wrote the book on junk or junk food. I read the labels of everything. Like I'm trying to do what I can do. How come I'm still having these pains? And she's like, do they have seed oils? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. And I went to check and it had sunflower oil. And I was like, oh gosh, I missed that. Right. So I took it out of my diet and within weeks, the pain went away. So now I know that if I, let's say I'm eating out in a restaurant and I ask obviously to have olive oil instead of any type of, you know, vegetable oils. And if I, you know, sometimes it's mixed. If I wake up the next morning, I'm like, oh, okay, I had it. It was in my food. I could feel it. I'm that sensitive to be able to feel it. So really removing those seed oils is really important. And then making sure you're hydrated, try to drink half your weight in ounces. It doesn't only have to be water. It could be decaf tea. It could be soups. You know, it could be like other ways of getting your, your hydration. It's really important for digestion, our brain, for, you know, obviously energy and a lot of other things. So I would say that's really what I, what I look at in, in terms of like, so we got the protein, we got the vegetables, we've got the good quality oils like avocado, olive oil, coconut oil, ghee, grass-fed butter, whatever it is you choose, making sure that you have those anti-inflammatory oils, or even that it has a neutral, like 
I like sustainable palm oil. It's more of a neutral oil. And, you know, just really kind of minimizing those complex carbohydrates, those nuts and seeds and those legumes, right? So for some women, they want them in their diet. So I'm like, and I know, again, you talk about keto, but for some women who want those in their diet, I'm like, just be mindful. Just be mindful of your eating. How do they affect your brain? How do they affect your blood sugar? But also it's important for fiber for some women because some women aren't getting enough. So just being mindful of what you're putting in your body. And I very much come from that place of listening to yourself because you are the captain of your own ship. And I try to arm people with the information that I feel um, is, is important for them to understand. But I love that you talk about a way of eating that you know, according to the research and from your community and from everything that you're doing, that helps women as well. So whatever it, whatever makes people feel better to me is what's important. That's what's important. I, I love that you teach you're the captain of your own ship and to just pay attention to the communication that your body is giving you. The body's always communicating to you. And that is the ultimate goal because you're right. Somebody could do really well with cruciferous vegetables and broccoli and Brussels sprouts, somebody else might be symptomatic from it, even though like it's considered healthy for one person. Why is it not healthy for this other person? Well, there's a gut microbiome. There's different reasons. So pay attention to your symptoms and find the foods that work for you. But I think we both agree that the seed oils are inflammatory. We want to remove them. So those are some good swaps right there. When I go to restaurants, actually, and you're right, Dr. K. Shanahan put this on the map. So credit to her. I, I created a, a seed oil allergy card where I show this to the <laughs> server because I, I want them to know That's I'm allergic. Not I prefer no seed oils, but I'm allergic to them. So they really don't put them in my food. And I give this to my students to, to use. And it works really, really well because you're, you're right. You know, you consume it. You're going to be inflamed. So interesting that you were feeling that in your, in your feet, the needles and just removing them eliminated that pain. I could feel right away. And if I order in, so I, you know, I always laugh. I'm like, I'm not the most fun person to eat out with. with. Like, I mean, you know, my, my poor family, like they'll, you know, they do their thing and I kind of do my thing. But what I do is I found a restaurant that I love near my house and they use avocado oil or olive oil in the food. So I'm like, they know me, I call, you know, so we found workarounds, right. But it is, it is such a big thing because, you know, these seed oils are really inflammatory. And when we're not feeling well, it's just kind of one of those things that are within our control to try and minimize or at least completely eliminate from our diet and see how you feel, right? And then when you start bringing it back, you're like, oh, wait, right. I, I don't feel so good when I eat this, right? So just being mindful, keeping a food journal. Like Again, when I say food journal, I'm like on your, your notes app on your phone. I don't want it to be. And here's the thing too, Ben, and why I'm really mindful of how I speak to our community is because as we go into perimenopause and menopause, we become more overwhelmed things become more stressful for us. We can't manage stress the way we did before for many of us, right? So, and myself included, like I know now that if things kind of come at me once, I'm like, whoa, I get nothing done. So how do I compartmentalize that? How do I make my list? Okay, so I'm gonna do this today. Like even getting things done can become difficult for us in this phase of life. So providing people with information, not giving the, in my case, I never, I'm like, you should, you shouldn't. It's more like, think about how you feel, be mindful, like how aspartame, which now is in the news, very big in the news, we've been talking about it since 2011, is maybe aspartame could be contributing to those headaches that you have, could be exacerbating your, your anxiety, right? Could, you know, messing, maybe sucralose is messing with your gut microbiome. So providing the information is important so that women can make up their own, make their own opinions, make up their own opinions and say, okay, well, I don't want to do this because I, this is how I feel after. So connecting, listening to your body, connecting what you're eating, what you're putting on your body and how you're feeling with your symptoms is super important as we go into perimenopause and menopause. Mm, so important. The body's always 
communicating to us. And those symptoms are the, the body's check engine light. We, sh we should pay attention to that and figure out, all right, what turned on that light? Let's figure out, open up the hood and get down there and figure it out. You spoke about aspartame and these artificial sweeteners back in your book, 2011, when your book released. Uh, Unjunk your junk food is the name of the book. If you're watching on YouTube right there. Like I think about it, I'm like, wow, I've been doing this a really long time. <laughs> That's super cool. I, I love that. And now it's finally catching on, right? So what are some better swaps for those artificial sweeteners? I know there's a lot of controversy around this. And I've seen a lot of experts who are, you know, for these alternative sweeteners and are against it. I'm going to go with, if we're swapping things out and we want to replace it with something, I'm not going to go down the deep rabbit hole of what, you know, what this might cause or not. I would say my preference would be something like stevia. I really like stevia. I really like monk fruit. I like erythritol, even though there was all of the, you know, all the hoopla back in March. I'm still a fan of erythritol. We don't have to go into the whys and yeah, I'm guessing you covered it, but I do like erythritol. And so these are the things I would say, again, everything in moderation, of course, right? So we want to make sure that everything is in balance, everything in moderation. If you're trying to get off aspartame, well, try stevia, try monk fruit, try erythritol, try these things that are, are, are a better option, which is why we, when we wrote on Junk Your Junk Food, as a nutritionist, I'm not going to say if somebody's craving chocolate to have a carrot stick. It's just not, it's not the way I operate, right? I'm realistic. I have three kids. I mean, I wrote on Junk Your Junk Food for my kids because at the time, I would go to birthday parties and bring red peppers when everyone else was having cake. It just wasn't a sustainable option. <laughs> and I learned that really quickly. So I'm like, okay, well, they want gummy bears. What are some better options, right? So that's kind of how I look at everything when I speak to, to women and to women in perimenopause and menopause. Just one thing at a time, just swap it out. Try the monk fruit, try the stevia, try the erythritol and see how you feel, right? But getting off the aspartame. So when, when we wrote on Junk Your Junk Food, we came up with a category of seven ingredients. This was before seed oils, before GMOs and the whole non-GMO movement. And we're like, what are these seven categories that we know these ingredients we should be avoiding? Well, high fructose corn syrup is in that category. If you're in Canada, it's called glucose fructose on the label. So it's an important thing to note. Trans fats. We now know trans fats are banned, but they're still found in so many different products under different names, right? And then we have monosodium glutamate. So MSG is found, and there's over 40 different names for MSG, but we know when we think about the symptoms that women are experiencing in perimenopause and menopause, migraines, heart palpitations, you know, excessive sweating, these are all symptoms or side effects of for, for many people who consume monosodium glutamate, right? So do you see like there's that connection, right? Between the food that we're eating, the symptoms that we're experiencing in this phase of life. Then we have artificial sweeteners, we have artificial flavors, artificial colors, and then certain preservatives. So that would be like our, we call them the scary seven. We've now added in, you know, the seed oils to be that number eight. <laughs> I love it. Hateful eight, scary seven. <laughs> Something that's going to be helpful to help you remember them. It does. Yeah. You know, going back to the TikTok conversation, I'm just curious. I know that TikTok could be a wild place. I'm on there as well. And how do you handle the negative comments? How do you handle uh, the trolls out there? Is it something you just ignored? Does it affect you? Did it used to affect you? Not anymore. Like, how do you handle that negativity part of it? So that's a really great question. And I'm going to tell you this. I am extremely blessed on TikTok, I get very little hate, very little negativity, and very little from the trolls. And I could see right away when somebody's trolling, and I'll, you know, I'll just, bye. <laughs> like,
Like, I, yeah. I, you know, and in some cases I'll engage depending where it's coming from. Like I really try not to engage. And again, I, you know, I, again, I always go back to Gary Vee and who I absolutely love as an entrepreneur for 23 years. I really look up to Gary and he's like, you know, you feel bad for them, right? Like if there's somebody actually going to come on your page and be really go out of their way to make you feel rude, I'm sorry, go out of their way to be rude and make you feel awful. You have to have compassion for them, right? So I'd have to say, for the most part, I'm very blessed. And which is why I love TikTok. I love the energy on TikTok. For me, you know, the women that we're helping, the, the DMs that I get, the private messages, like it's very heartwarming for me because we are changing people's lives. We are helping them. We are educating them. I get messages daily on how, because of our TikToks or because of my TikToks, they're now, they're able to speak to their doctor. They're able to put a word behind how they're feeling. They're able to ask for help. Like it's been really, really, I'm just extremely grateful and extremely blessed that it's been a very positive experience for me. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. And then, yeah, th those that just trickle in there that are trolls, you just so easy, block them. <laughs> bye. Goodbye. Like, oh, yeah, bye. Like I just, for those of you who are watching and you're on TikTok, if you look me up, you come follow me on TikTok, you'll see a lot of my videos are very much about compassion. I'm very much about validation and support. So I try to lead from that place of kindness. And for me, coming from that place of kindness, I, it trickles down onto our community. There's so much negativity in so many of our lives. And especially as we get into this phase of life, like I was there suffering like crazy. I probably had a hundred of those symptoms that we have, on, like or 80 of them. Like I had so many of them. So when we're in the weeds and we're suffering and we cannot see the light, it's just bringing up that hope, providing that support, providing that compassion, holding space for women who are in this place is so important to me. And that's what my TikTok community is. And that's what we've been able to, you know, I've been able to build this community of such wonderful women and we support each other. If there's negativity, I really try to like, stop it. You know, again, of course, you can't stop everything, but you, I try as much as possible. That's wonderful. Yeah. Everybody go follow Andrea on TikTok. What's your, uh, it's the same as Instagram. Could you share it? Yeah, so my TikTok is at Andrea Donsky, and uh, we also are on Instagram. I'm on I'm on Instagram at Andrea Donsky. I'm just not as active on my personal Instagram, but uh, we're also on Instagram at We Are Morphous, which is where we post all of our menopause content. If you watch any of my videos on social media, you always see me with glasses on, and I always get the question, "Hey, why are you wearing those glasses?" These are called blue light blocking glasses, and I wear them to protect my brain and my focus. You see, we are bombarded with stimulation, especially with junk light from your computer screen, your phone, fluorescent lights, and the brain has to filter that out. These glasses, what they do is they filter out those lights for you so your brain does not have to do the work. I equate this to having a web browser open with 100 tabs. If you had 100 tabs open on your computer, that computer is going to run slow. But if you were able to eliminate 99 of those 100 tabs, and now you just have one tab open, that computer will function better. This is the same thing with your brain. So there's different types of blue light blocking glasses. There are computer glasses that you would wear during the day when working with screens and under artificial light. There are light sensitivity glasses that you would also wear during the day with screens and artificial light. And then you have the blue light blocking glasses, which I wear at night, two to three hours before I go to bed, which promotes hormone health, helps your body produce melatonin, and aids in better sleep. My go-to is from Bon Charge. They have the science to back it up. They look super cool. The glasses come in non-prescription, prescription, and reading options. Glasses for every need. Bon Charge also has other amazing products such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, EMF 
slash 5G protection and 100% blackout sleep mask that I take with me when I travel all the time. The greatest thing about them, all backed up by science. They gave Keto Camp Podcast listeners a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do is head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout, no space in between, to get 15% off your entire order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code. Go check them out and let's get back to this episode. So we covered lifestyle, nutrition. We spoke a little bit about the supplement component. You mentioned uh, magnesium biglycinate, game changer. I agree, it's such a powerful supplement. What are other key supplements uh, that work well for postmenopausal women? So that's a great question as well. So again, part of my, I keep saying like my passion for data, my passion for understanding, my passion for why is to dive deep into ingredients. And I, and this probably been, we could probably do a whole other podcast about supplements because, and you know, for me, I've always understood food and beverages, but and ingredients. Sure. I'm an expert at reading those labels, but I didn't really understand supplements. I kind of just took supplements and I'm like, oh, at the face value or whatever the product said on the label. But what I've done and what I've learned over the last six years is that there are so many nuances when it comes to supplements. And for me, I was, it was really important for me. So when we launched Morphus, we have our supplement line. It's like everything is vetted by me. Everything is researched by me. We only use branded ingredients. We only use science-backed ingredients. We only use ingredients that I would use myself. So I'm not selling things that I would never put in my own body. And that for me was the most important thing. And we're not just basing it on the cost of the ingredient. Like it just, you know, what we've learned is that there are so many different things that go on in the supplement industry. And it's important for me that when we launched our supplements is that we provided a solution that actually worked. And that was what's important for me. I want to give you the proper dosage so that your hot flashes feel better, so that you're going to the bathroom. I want to make sure that if you're taking Fiber S, that you know that it's going to help with your constipation or your loose stools, right? Or, you know, it's not going to provide gas and bloating. So for me, it was very important that we provided the right ingredients, the right products, so that it can help women. and. In the menopause space, there are ingredients that are very helpful, that are backed by research, that could potentially help women, but they can also provide, you know, they also have side effects for the liver, or they might also have side effects for other organs. So I'm very careful and very intentional with what we launch is that so they don't have a negative effect on other systems in our body, which is, again, it's so hard to say this when you look at our website, but these are the things when you hear the person who's like behind it, these are things that I take into consideration. There were a lot of ingredients for products that we were going to launch. I'm like, nope, messes with hormones. Nope, causes an issue with the liver, not happening. And it's not going to go into my line because I would never take it myself. So that's why we launched Morphin. So we have now currently, I think we have like 10 products on our site right now. We're constantly going to launch new ones and always based on ingredients. So there's no fairy dust in any of our products. It's all branded, amazing ingredients. So what are some of them? So we have magnesium, like I mentioned, magnesium glycinate, which is awesome. And ours has been called magic. It's amazing. And you take it before bed. Again, with that HRV, before bed. I also really love um, melatonin. So before menopause, it you know for me, melatonin didn't work that well. But now that I'm in menopause, menopause it's a game changer for me, melatonin. Like, And the research is fabulous because as we age, our melatonin production decreases. And because it's the number three most common symptom, we now know that we need help many of us to fall asleep. So we have a product called Sleep Us that has sustained release melatonin, which is another thing, like the types of ingredients you're using, you wanna make sure that it works. 
I tested Sleep Us for literally two years before we launched it. <laughs> like literally like on my stuff. When I talk about testing and, and menopause sleep hacking, I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> and you take it with our, our magnesium, it's amazing. So I really love fiber. It's really important. Like a good prebiotic soluble fiber is important. We have our Fiber S, which doesn't cause gas or bloating, has over 90 studies proving how it's awesome. So to me, uh, prebiotics, feeding that good bacteria in our gut, it's super important. We want to, you know, you can also get prebiotics from food like Jerusalem artichokes and onions and garlic and asparagus. So making sure that you're eating enough fiber. We didn't talk about that before, but getting 25 to 35 grams of fiber is really important. Most of us are only getting half that amount because we want to make sure we are, I'm going to bring out another little prop. For those of you who are watching the poop pop poop prop, poop prop. <laughs> poop prop. Let's say that ten times. Um, so really important that we're going to the bathroom every day because for all you know detoxification reasons and all the reasons we want to get rid of the waste and the hormone metabolites and all that good stuff. So making sure you're going to the bathroom is important. So a good fiber supplement if you need that help. We've got fish oil, our fish oil, our omega three teas in a triglyceride form. As I mentioned earlier, for a lot of us we have itchy ears, itchy eyes. You know, my Bohmian gland dis disease or my Bohmian gland dysfunction or whatever it was called. I was told I had that by my eye doctor a couple of years ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> so fish oil or omega-3 tea is in the right form, a triglyceride form that can help with the itchy ears, itchy skin, itchy eyes, reducing inflammation, all that good stuff. So I also really love black seed oil. I'm a really big fan of the right type. We have thymoquin, which is standardized to 3% thymoquinone. So we've got like everything that we have is all like, it's, you know, it's amazing. We have a starter bundle if you don't know where to start. But for me, these are the ingredients that we want to be focused on in this phase of life, right? And there are a lot more that we don't offer. Like I'm a really big fan of whether it's a digestive enzyme or, you know, taking some type of HCL hydrochloric acid, we will be offering that, but we don't have that right now. I do love probiotics. If you feel you need probiotics, we don't offer that as part of the line, but find a great one that you trust that is helping you. You know, So I would say there's other things that are amazing as well that can make a big difference. So there's so many great ingredients that help us. And again, everything is intentional. And it says it all on our website. Like, what does this help with? How does it help you in menopause and perimenopause? Here are the research studies that we link to, to show you. I'm not just saying it. These are what's showing us in the actual research. So that's great. It, I, I think supplements are really important, but there are people out there in our space who believe that we don't really need supplements. We could get everything we need from food. What are your thoughts on those who say we don't need supplements? So I disagree. I do believe we need supplements. And I know there's a lot of discussion around it. So here's the thing. I'm a nutritionist and I'm going to tell you always food first. You never want to out supplement good nutrition. Of course, good nutrition. Start with the foundation of nutrition and lifestyle. You want to make sure you're managing the stress, everything we talked about. But we need supplements. We need to supplement our diet because most of us aren't getting the nutrients we need. The World Health Organization has come out and said, we don't have the minerals in the food that we had years ago. We know that, that our food is lacking certain vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, whatever it is, right? Fiber, if you're not eating, you know, certain foods that contain that fiber. So I do believe we need to supplement. I'm very, you know, steadfast on my belief. And I do believe the reason why I, I think, you know, for most of us, because we live very fast paced lifestyles, we're, you know, convenience lifestyles. And a lot of us, like me, I have three kids. Life is busy. I've got three kids. I'm running a business. So, and I don't want people to made to feel shamed or guilty if they can't make themselves food every single night. They can't prepare them every single night because life gets in the way, right? So there are certain things that we can do that help us along. We don't want to eat our supplements for our dinner, but we want to make sure we're having our dinner and then we supplement with it. So I, I'm from the belief that we do need extra supplements. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. To supplement doing the actual lifestyle changes that and nutrition, that's first, obviously. But I agree with you. We'd need it. Um, unfortunately, our soils are depleted and we can't get the things we used to get 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So we need to supplement, fill in those gaps with the right supplement. So that's um, I'm on board with you with that. Uh, a last thing I want to end here with uh, oxytocin boost. I like to end the show with uh, gratitude, vitamin G. And I want to ask you, Andrea, what are you grateful for today? So much, Ben. I mean, and I love, I have a gratitude journal and I try to write down 10 things that I'm grateful for and on a regular basis. And I would say I am grateful. First of all, I'm grateful today to being, for being on your podcast. So thank you for that. I'm grateful for being able to do what I do. I'm grateful for loving what I do, that I wake up every day and it's not work for me. It's really, it's just makes me happy. I'm grateful to be able to be able to do what I do and educate women in this phase of life. I'm grateful for being able to learn and retain a lot of the knowledge <laughs> that I'm learning. I'm grateful for so much my health. I'm grateful for just, you know, you know, for every, for so many different things, you know, so I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Gratitude rampage, your family, there's so much and what you appreciate appreciates it. You get more to appreciate. So I love that you practice gratitude on a daily basis. You get your vitamin G every day. Where's the best place for my audience to go check you out? So as I mentioned before, you can find me on TikTok at Andrew Donsky. You can also follow me on Instagram at Andrew Donsky and at We Are Morphous and pretty much anywhere where you where you have social media or where you follow social media. And then you can also go to my website, which is wearemorphous.com. And I have all of the signs and symptoms. We have our research survey. So please go fill them out. My next goal is to get to 5,000 responses. So we're at 3,100 right now. So I want to get to 5,000 and continue the research and continue understanding what women are going through. So thanks again for having me on. This has been really fun. Yeah. No, thank you for, for coming on. I, I acknowledge you for the 23 years of, of research and uh, you're helping a lot of women out there. And it's so important to talk about this. I love it that it's your main focus. So for those of you who are uh, going through perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, go check out the resources. And if you're a guy listening and you have a woman in your life, you know, share this with her. She, it's so important because I love that if you are a guy and you watched and listened to the whole episode, like kudos to you because you do have relationships with women. And if you could understand them better, you're going to have better relationships. So first of all, good job if you are a guy and you got to this point. But ladies out there, go to the website, do the survey, check out all the resources. We'll put it down below. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I look forward to having more collaborations with you in the future. Thank you again. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrea Donsky. If you want to watch the video format and see the slides she presented, go to youtube.com slash ketocam to watch that video. Her website is Andrea, andreadonsky.com and wearemorphous.com. We'll put that in the podcast notes down below. We'll also include her social media, which is fantastic, and a link to get her book, Unjunk Your Junk Food, which she wrote many years ago, but it's still a staple and it works really well in this day and age. If this was valuable to you, please consider leaving the show a rating and a review and sharing it with a friend as well. I want to thank you, Keto Camper, for listening to the entire episode. Thank you so much for your dedication. We appreciate you. I'll see you in the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. 
Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.